Well, good morning. It's good to be here together in God's presence. Yeah, even it's a little warm, I know. <laughs> Hang in there. It's, it's just a good moment to have our shortened services. We can be thankful for that. Um, but we are called by God to come and to gather in his presence, and so thankful that we can do that in person and uh, also those who are joining online. Um, just a couple of reminders that um, during this time we're having a little shorter services than we normally do. We're, we're not passing the offering plates, so if you'd like to give a gift uh, to the work of God and to this church, uh, there's offering plates in the back, or you can always go to the church's website and, and give online that way. Also, if you're visiting, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us today, and we're, we have a chance to participate in the sacrament of baptism and also in communion later. So we are going to invite you to come forward to receive uh, communion elements from Pastor Brian and myself. If you don't feel comfortable coming forward, um, they are also available on the table that you came in on. So, uh, but that will be towards the end of the service. Uh, yeah, and the last thing to mention is that we have nursery and preschool class and children's worship available. Uh, children are always welcome to stay in the service, but if they would like to go uh, to those classes, they can be dismissed now. Melinda's uh, waiting in the back by the back door, and the children's worship and preschool are downstairs. Um, so, yeah, any children that are going to go to the preschool class or the children's worship class can go now to uh, Melinda, and she'll be waiting there in the back for them. Well, God has called us and spoken into our lives and into our day to come and respond to his goodness. So let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Call to worship today is from Psalm 20. Will you stand with me and we'll sing together? We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in his name. We trust in the answer your day, you in the day of trouble. May the name of the, of the God of Jacob protect you. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the, with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. We trust in the name of the
pray together. Our Father in heaven, you are as unfailing and unwaveringly good today as you have always been. Holy is your name, however unholy the world appears, however misused and abused your name seems. Your kingdom come in every heart, every nation, every corner of this aching world. Your will be done however hard we strive to see our own imperfect will unfold. On earth as it is in heaven, may we see glimmers of your goodness, even as the news breaks hearts as well as headlines. And Lord, we think especially of, of Karen Milko and her family for the sudden loss of her sister. May your presence bring comfort. May it, light, may it be a light to them in the profound heartache of their grief. Lord, give us today our daily bread the grace we need to make it through each hour. Forgive us our sins for our unwillingness to listen and our quickness to dismiss. As we forgive those who sin against us, those who challenge the limits of our love and the boundaries of our understanding. 
Lead us not into temptation to lose all hope, but deliver us from evil, from fear and violence, prejudice, injustice. Deliver our city, Lord, and other places like Austin, Texas, from all the death and all of the killings. For yours is the kingdom and the uncomfortableness of the now, yet not quite now. Yours is the power. Though your executive orders, they come as loving whispers, not as violent shouts. Yours is the glory, not small vainglory, which will fade, but the vast eternal glory of all glories. Forever and ever, in the name of our mighty and peaceable King, we pray. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of confession, a time to acknowledge with God our need and our sin. Let's turn to our baptism. invite Gerard and Rita to come forward with their daughters for Elizabeth to be baptized. Well, before we uh, receive Elizabeth to be baptized, I just want to take a moment to remind us of, of this gift that God's given us. Um, New Testament baptism is connected to the Old Testament practice of circumcision. And circumcision was a chance to not only remember God's covenant, but to name the child. And so this is a naming ceremony, but it's also it's a good chance to remember that we're not just meeting Elizabeth and having her be named. It's not just that she is being kind of acknowledged as part of her family here with sisters Susan and Veronica and parents Gerard and Rita, but that she is being acknowledged as part of the covenant community, brought into the community that bears the name of Jesus, formed and gathered by the promises of God. And so this is good news, obviously for Elizabeth and her family, but it's good news for all of us because baptism invites us to think about our identity, who we are our name, how we know ourselves. And there's all sorts of connections that we have, but we have to always remember that in God's grace and the promises of his faithfulness, that in Christ, that we are part of his covenant family. Not because of the things that we've promised to do or have done, but by his grace from beginning to end. And so the waters of baptism are a chance for all of us to remember this good gift. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this water. We pray that you set it apart for a special use. Lord, we ask that you would be here by your spirit, ministering to Elizabeth and being a sign upon her skin that one day that she will come to know in her heart your grace. But I pray for all of us that as we see these waters, that we remember you not only as our creator, but our redeemer in Christ. Let us find our hope and our identity in you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Gerard and Reed, let me ask you the vows that we ask parents as they bring their children to be baptized. 
do you acknowledge Elizabeth's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Do you claim God's covenant promises on her behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do for your own? And do you now unreservedly dedicate Elizabeth to God and promise in humble reliance upon God's grace that you'll set before her a godly example, that you'll pray with her and for her, and that you'll teach her the faith, and that you'll strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Amen. And what is your daughter's full Christian name? This is Elizabeth Feikuma Van Helsema, daughter of Gerard and Rita and sister to Susan and Veronica. Elizabeth, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Take off the camera. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray for Elizabeth. Lord, we thank you for this gift of life. We thank you how she is a sign of your generous gifts and love. Lord, we pray that you would bless her days and that this sign upon her skin would become something sealed to her heart by your spirit. We pray for her family. We thank you for their faith and we pray that she would know Christ through them. We thank you for this church that she would be part of the covenant family to hear and see the good news of Christ. And so Lord, we pray that you would walk with Elizabeth, that she would find her rest and identity, her hope, her sense of very being in the depths of who she is, and the grace and promises of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you to stand that we can offer a blessing to Elizabeth, as you'll see in your order of worship. Elizabeth, may the Lord preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and assurance, time to acknowledge with God our sin and the ways that we need his mercy. And so we'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet personal confession. Lord, we gather as your people, tired, hungry, and seeking to hear your word, to know your will for our lives. God of mercy, you have told us what is good and what you require of us to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with our God. Amen. Give me 
please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Gracious God, we are thankful that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We give thanks with joy in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's stand together and uh, speak and hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 118. Out of my distress, I called the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. You may be seated. Today's uh, Old Testament lesson is found in Proverbs chapter 11 verses 10 through 14, and continuing on uh, in verses 17 through 21. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteous, righteousness gets a sure reward. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Those of a crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Today's gospel lesson is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. thankful for a chance to look at God's word with you uh, today. We're going to continue looking at the letter of James in the New Testament. Uh, before I read our passage, though, Roger Engelman, uh, many of you know him, uh, 
communicated with me during the service that his father's in the hospital and asked us to pray. So let me, let me pray for Roger's dad, and then we'll read our passage together. Lord, I thank you for Roger, and I thank you for his uh, close relationship with his father. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with Roger's dad in the hospital, that he would receive the care uh, needed, and that you'd be with his spirit to encourage him, uh, reminding him of your presence with him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me read to us from James 3, verse 13 through 18. It's in your uh, order of worship, uh, or you can just listen as I read. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good conduct, by works done and the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is shown, sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, this is God's word given for our good. And as we look at this passage, I, I want us to have two parts to the sermon. First, we'll look at this opening question of who is wise, and then we'll see how James gives us lists or answers to this question of, of what does wisdom look like. So let's start with this opening question, who is wise and understanding among you? You see, James is asking the question, how can we tell what wisdom looks like? If wisdom, as we've talked about, is seeing rightly or acting rightly in the world, then how do we recognize it? Who, who has true understanding or true wisdom? And this is part of what James has been doing, is identifying challenges to living a wise and righteous life. He's told us over the earlier chapters to be patient and to be steadfast to not give up too quickly in the face of shifting waves of circumstances or the world. He said, let us avoid impartiality of drawing lines of value between the rich and the poor. And he's told us to be careful with our tongues because words have power to curse and bless. And now with this opening question, James is continuing to highlight challenges to us as we seek to live like Jesus He's saying that there are two wisdoms. There is a difference between wisdom that comes from heaven, from above, from the word of truth, and the wisdom of what he describes as the earth or this present world. And we know this, whether we would use terms like that immediately or not, we know that there are different messages about what is good, different answers to what it means to see and act rightly different conclusions on who is a wise person. What does a wise person look like? Well, after opening this opening question, James gives a brief summary about recognizing true wisdom. Do you see what he says? He says, true wisdom is manifest in peaceful behavior, not bitter jealousy or selfish ambition. True understanding expresses itself in meekness, Meekness is having a thoughtful expression, even a willingness to restrain one's power in consideration 
of others. Arrogance and selfish intent is contrasted with humility and gentleness and openness to listen. And so the rest of our time, I want us to look at how James unpacks these two lists, the earthly wisdom and the wisdom from above, getting back to this question, how can we actually recognize what is a true way of being? So let's start with this opening description of the negative, the earthly wisdom. And I want to suggest to you that the soil where the kind of the roots of this understanding put themselves, the roots go down into the conclusion that we are on our own. The heart of earthly wisdom is the conclusion that you are on your own to make your way, to provide with you yourself what you need. And even as people of faith, how often is it that this is the story that we live by? I'm on my own. If something is going to happen, I need to make it happen. If I, need, if I get what I need, I'll be the one that secures it. And this soil, this roots that go down, produces the fruit of jealousy, the fruit of selfish ambition. In ancient writings, both in the scriptures, but also in Greek writings, envy was described as an ulcer of the soul, a gnawing pain, a certain sorrow. Someone has something that I do not have. And earthly wisdom concludes that our being, our being depends on having. Our worth derives from accomplishment. Therefore, to have less is to be less. To have less power or credentials or accomplishment is to be less worthy, less valuable. To acknowledge your need for help is to somehow be less dignified. This is the soil of a certain sorrow, a certain sorrow. And as followers of Christ, as we need to join with James in saying that such views are unspiritual, not of God, even as he says evil, that they hurt and undo us and they hurt and undo others. Even as we agree, if you're like me, we can feel the pull of this soil, the, the works around us and in us. It goes with the idea that we live in a world with limited opportunities, limited resources. See, there's a logic and there's a pressure to envy. Maybe you felt that for yourself or for your children or those that you love. Fear or worry or anger that I won't have what I want to have or what I need to have and it fuels a jealousy or an ambition that's centered around yourself. And James tells us when we eat of such fruit, if we walk in such understanding, it brings disorder and vile or evil practice. There is a story in Greek mythology about violence and pride. And there's a story that goes that the gods were all choosing up people to marry, other gods, <laughs> and that the god of violence and strife, Polemos, decided to marry the goddess of reckless pride. Her name was Hybris, where we get the word hubris from, hubris. 
And the story goes that Palamos, the god of strife, loved his goddess, his wife, so much that wherever she goes, he would follow. And so whenever a nation or a city or a house welcomes hubris in, it is certain to follow that Palamos, strife, will be soon thereafter. This is a story that tells us not only of Greek mythology, but the human condition. For jealousy and envy, reckless pride, or pursuing your own ambition is consistently connected to violence, connected to hatred, finding delight in other people's suffering or falling short, being controlling or a bully, holding on to what you think you have to have. And at the heart of it is failing to see God or see others. I am on my own. I'm on my own. Well, James not only offers us this negative list of earthly wisdom, but he contrasts it with wisdom from above. Remember, the question that he's asking is, how can we tell what wisdom is? What does it look like when people live in a wisdom way, a way that resembles Jesus? And so he gives this beautiful list. It's pure It's peaceable, it's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Again, we've been reminding ourselves that Jesus is the full embodiment of this heavenly wisdom. And we see that throughout the scriptures, this is a consistent message. What does life look like? What does it look like when someone is walking in the ways and the wisdom of God? In 1 Corinthians 13, we hear that love love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. In Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he says to us, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But but listen to the reason why, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For your heavenly Father causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. In the, the writing of Dante's Inferno, he talks about different groups who are struggling with sin, and there's a section about those who are struggling with envy, And in that scene, there are voices crying out to them examples of love, examples of being not envious. And one of the ones I found found interesting, it's that he, the voice crying out, tells the story of Mary, Jesus' mother, being at the wedding in Cana and telling Jesus that they've run out of wine. You might know that story, but Jesus, this is not his plan. This wasn't the timing that he envisioned of doing any miracles they hear this concern, they've run out of wine. And instead of finding pleasure in the lack of another, or instead of dismissing the need, Jesus is even willing to change his plans to provide and to allow the hosts to be celebrated by the guests. Using his provision to care for another You see, James is giving us this list of wisdom from above, and what it invites you and I to think about is the posture of our faith. And this is very important because we can get it wrong, and I do often that I think of that myself at the center of how faith works. 
But the posture of our faith is rooted in givenness. In givenness. I didn't secure my life. And what do I have that's not a gift? And I didn't secure my own salvation. See, the givenness of our faith tells us that your life, that the good that you have, that the salvation that you have in Christ, these are gifts from God from beginning to end. And at our heart of our faith is a posture of receiving, receiving a gift given to us. And if that's the posture of the Christian faith, then it would make sense that we would embody the practices of an openness to listen, a gentleness, a humility, even learning from the generosity of our God who has been good to us. See, the posture is one in which we know our sin, know our need, and know the care of our God. You see, this is why Jesus tells us that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will reflect who their heavenly Father is. You see, walking in the ways of wisdom is not just knowing the truth, for wisdom is on the side of truth. But wisdom is more than just knowing the truth, or wisdom is more than pointing out other people's faults or failures. Wisdom in the spirit of Christ is to walk in peace and gentleness, humility and meekness, and openness to reason, being full of mercy. We were given two lists by James, and you and I are invited to read over them. And I encourage you to do that now, or even as this later today or in the week ahead, to take a moment to look at those lists and to consider, certainly there are certain people certain places, certain challenges of life in which we struggle greatly to act with gentleness and peace. But let us look at the list and ask that we would know again the grace of Christ, that by his power we would walk in new ways as his people. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are a God that is good and gracious. And thank you that our life and our faith begins with you acting for us in grace. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with me and we'll sing together.
seated. We have the privilege of responding to God's grace by coming to the table he sets for his people. And here, simply, we could say that this is where wisdom, where the fruit of gentleness and peace and humility, this is where we see them and where we begin to, to know them. For Christ, the one who was above all things, the creator of all, became a man, not only a human, but came in the places of a servant to suffer and die on the cross for sinners like you and me. For on this table we see the bread broken and the cup of his blood. Speaking of his work, his peaceful work for you and me. So this is the good news. If you know of your sin, if you know that you are in need of his care, and you have faith in Christ, then come and eat and drink. Receive his gentle care. Receive his provision. Receive his gifts. That we may walk in new ways. Lord, we thank you for this table. We pray you set apart this bread and cup for a sacred purpose that your spirit would be here administering to us. Christ, we thank you. We thank you that you gather us as your children, not because of what we've done to earn your respect for what we promised to do, but by your grace that you see us fully, but love us to the end. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm gonna, Pastor Brian and I are going to come forward to um, be able to pass out the communion, so it will be in each row, and I'll invite the outside uh, sections to go first to come forward and receive them, and once you receive them, go back to your seats, you can open and prepare them to be received, and then we'll take them all together. If you're not taking communion, you can still come forward and just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian and I will offer a blessing to you today.
night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it. He's like, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat. Christ's body is broken to make us whole. And the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table of grace, I invite you to stand. You can, you can respond and receive God's blessing. Praise to you, Jesus. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come in glory.